At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is the run line vsin's premier baseball betting show with adam burke here's ben wilson It is hour number two of the run line here from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, our baseball show that we talk. Just, I mean, everything baseball related. Every single Sunday night, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern with Adam Burke. I'm Ben Wilson. 2 nothing game right now, bottom of the sixth, Dodgers and Padres. This has just been a, a work of art. Really, I mean, from both pitchers, if we're being honest, you Darvish, but he has been outshone so far by Tyler Anderson. Six sparkling innings, two hits, one walk, three strikeouts. Kind of a shame that I could really use a save from Josh Hader tonight to potentially win a fantasy matchup, Adam, and I don't think that's happening. No, so far it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Also, this game's flying. Like A lot of the Sunday night games that we end up getting here are just moving at a glacial pace, but this one uh, feels like everyone's got some dinner reservations or something. Clearly. I I will say, because the running joke on this show is whenever, whenever we're on the air and Spencer Strider is pitching, he just shoves. So naturally, I had first five under three and a half today in in the Braves-Mets game. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to be on the air during that. So Strider's going to shove, and it's DeGrom. Well, one of those two parts of the handicap worked. The other part didn't work, and I lost the bet. I'm curious. I I know that we typically reserve this for the last block, but I want to get your thoughts on this now since we're talking about it. So this game is flying, and we'll see if the Dodgers are able to, to complete the sweep here. But the Padres host the Giants tomorrow night. Is there any, do you think there's a hangover here or are they just, you know, going back home? Alex Wood, a couple of lefties on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the fact that you're going what like an hour and a half makes it a little bit different. I don't know if the the, the same, remember we saw San Diego go sudden at baseball, East coast in New York after a pretty good weekend and then just not even look interested for three days in Detroit. And, but to me, it's a lot different where, you know the pressure is on a team like that, and we're not going to the NOS. We're going to get into here are, are the three divisions that still have races up and and uh, out in the open. NOS race is not one of them. With the Dodgers now a double digit game lead here, but you have to think for San Diego, they they f- are feeling the pressure right now, and it, I I kind of I would I have to hesitate sort of throwing in the the post Sunday night baseball, especially given the the proximity of geography, just to that hangover thought. So not going to be one I would look at for tomorrow. But it is an interesting matchup when you look at like the way Alex Wood just gets has he's been he and Logan Webb we we've talked about both of these guys but Wood gets no help at all from the defense his numbers should be should be so much better than they are but he's just a classic guy who's fallen victim to the second worst defense in the major leagues 
Uh, and, you know, like Blake Snell, I don't know how you can really trust ever playing a full game price with a guy like that who seemingly can never go more than five innings. So that that's a tough one for me just on the surface tomorrow. Yeah, I think so, too. And I mean, look, you know, Carlos Rodon, his FIP is lower than his ERA. Alex Cobbs is way lower. Same thing for Alex Wood. This Giants team, I mean, they don't really hit. I don't know why they're not hitting this year. That's completely fallen off the face of the earth. And they don't play good defense at all whatsoever. So... You know, when you talk about facing San Diego, where now their offensive projection is quite a bit higher, it's it's hard to see a situation in which the Giants have success in this series. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't know. It's it's just strange that you know the, the Padres had that nice doubleheader sweep of the Rockies, and then a complete no show in the final game of that series, and then getting knocked down a few pegs here in this series. You know, I'm curious Makes to see if they can kind of rally Makes a little bit think. in that Giants series again. This division. For all intents and purposes, this race, it's over. But there are three races still to go. Want to get Adam's thoughts on all three of them? Oh, we'll just save the AL Central for the last because that we we're both. <laughs> yeah, you know, you especially. You're so tired of writing about it and and uh, you know trying to trying to pontificate about what is actually going to happen in the AL Central. But let's go to the NL East, especially after today, where you could. I mean, look, it's not like we expect the Phillies still to really be a factor in that race. It's the Mets that went from. We went from this five-game series maybe thinking, well, the Braves could be in the lead by Sunday night to uh, the Mets have really opened it up now. Mets win in this series, Adam, four or five. You look at where that, that puts things down in the National League East. Mets, six-and-a-half game edge over Atlanta here. And, I mean, this to, to get out in front of that and to win a series in that fashion where you think about the schedules here the rest of the way, Mets have the sixth easiest Atlanta, a little bit a little bit tougher. They're 19th on the overall strength of schedule, so certainly of the easier variety. But what do you make of this now? That we, we went from this division feeling like it would come down to the final day of the season to, based on the number now, I mean, this is a six-and-a-half game lead, and all those Mets futures numbers, I mean, we're seeing the division odds back up here well north of $6, and they, I mean, they probably should be that way if we're being real about it. Well, it's almost like getting Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom back helped. Yeah, you know, when you, I mean, when you think about it, it, yeah. it, you brought back two of the top five pitchers in all of baseball, I would say, and both guys were really good for you in this series. And Degrom is still working his way back, despite pumping 102 mile per hour fastballs and 96 mile per hour sliders. Yeah, I mean, this look, the Braves will continue to do what they did to get back into the race. They will beat up on bad teams because they should, because bad teams typically don't have a lot of guys that strike people out. As I talked about in the open. The Braves, when they can make a lot of contact, are really, really good. They make some of the best contact quality in Major League Baseball, and they will continue to do that. But when they face the Mets, it's a little bit harder for them to do that. So I, this division race is is over at six and a half, I would say. But, you know, again, I mean, the, the Braves will make the playoffs. They will be one of the wild card teams, and, and we'll see what happens there where, you know, if they end up with a really good draw, say – Cardinals type team that doesn't strike out a lot of guys. I would like the Braves in that series. You know, against the Brewers, where they get Woodruff and Burns and, and probably Peralta or some combination of Peralta and Ashby, that may be a little bit more difficult because you got more swing and miss there. So I still think the Braves are a really interesting team. I just don't know if you know that that high strikeout rate will just be too much for them to overcome. Still seven games left with the Mets, but given given how those two have matched up this year. If you're a Braves fan, I'm sure you're not sitting there thinking, well, at least we got seven more cracks at the Mets. Like, it's probably right. the exact opposite right now. And you see where the Braves are at. Four-game lead for that top wild card position over the uh, the struggling Padres at the moment. 
Phillies right now occupy your third spot in the NL wild card race with the Brewers now. That uh, that first team, the odd team out there of the four battling for the three in Who the NL the wild card out? race. Who doesn't make it out of those four? You know what? I, I actually weirdly think that Philadelphia ends up not making it. They've been, I mean, they have been so streaky all year, so up and down. I get that they still have a they still have a relatively easy schedule outside of seven games against the Mets and the Braves, but and I know they went all in at the trade deadline. But I'm not. A, I I still have to imagine like this is the absolute low point for Milwaukee. And we're gonna we'll get into the NL Central here in a second. I have to imagine that like this is a Cardinal team. You just know it's one way or another. St. Louis will be in the will be in the postseason. They figure out they figure out the Cardinal Devil magic every single year. But now this is one of those rare years where you can actually look statistically. And see the, the improvements pitching-wise when they've actually brought in real guys to bolster a big, big hole in that general starting rotation. The hitting is, I mean, that regression, you could say, sure, there's a little bit of regression there because the numbers are so gaudy for many of their guys. I don't see the hitting really falling off in the regular season. And to me, they, did, they definitely did enough to put themselves in a spot to either win the Central or get one of the wild card spots. And I, I don't know about you. I look I, as frustrated as it has been as a having a Brewers future ticket on the NL Central, being a you know being from there, being a Brewer fan. This is a like this is obviously the buy low point for Milwaukee. I'm not willing to say, well, this team is just going to not have any idea how to hold a lead the rest of the year. They also have a pretty weak strength of schedule here still to still to come. Both the Brewers and, and the Cardinals, as we've talked about, they had of the easiest strength of schedules coming out of the All Star break. Cardinals second easiest right now, only to Seattle. So I don't know who you you would like right now. It's hard not to give the edge to St. Louis with the way they've taken a two-game lead, but I kind of think both Milwaukee and St. Louis find a way to get in. And it, while we've seen the Phillies make some runs, at the end of the day, I don't know how much you can really rely on how just how Jekyll and Hyde they've been all year. And, and I, could, I could easily see them faltering in September. Yeah, I mean, look, the Phillies have eight games left, or no, seven games left against Washington now. Yeah. You know, as you mentioned, they have seven left with the Braves, seven left with the Mets. Those are... Very challenging. And then, uh, you know, they still have nine left with Miami. And Miami has issues, obviously. But I, I think Jazz Chisholm will come back at some point. They still have pretty good starting pitching. You know, that Miami team is is relatively dangerous in terms of playing spoiler. Whereas the Brewers and the Cardinals are going to get a lot of the Pirates and a lot of the Cubs. And neither one of those teams look particularly good right now. And the Reds, for as good as they've been, you know, being kind of a 500 team for the last mm -hmm. few months, they've got young arms that they're going to want to protect as well. So you do wonder if maybe there's some in innings caps, innings limits put on some of their starters, where we know the biggest weakness for the Reds all year long has been that bullpen, which probably winds up getting a little bit more of the load as we get deeper into the season it's here. Great, so yeah, it's a great point. I, I, could, I could definitely see the Phillies ending up being the odd team out. That being said, seems like all reports are that Bryce Harper will be back in September which is a massive <laughs> Look, lift for them. I th and I think you could go one of two ways. You could say, make the case that Philadelphia might be on the outside looking in. You could make a case that that's a legitimate sleeper to make an NLCS. I mean, yeah. you really could. That, to me, is probably the most high-variance club still out there. Because I, I don't expect, you know, this is not, to me, like the 2014 Brewers who spent, like, what, 136 games in first place and then just completely collapsed. I mean, there are still 55 games left for these teams. I mean, I certainly give the edge right now to St. Louis the way, the way things are going. And as we take a look at the updated odds, I mean, we've talked so often, Adam, about how the odds seem to be pretty aggressive and a little bit too strong in favor of Milwaukee throughout the season. And remember, they were priced at near $3 favorites, even when they only had a two-game lead. 
So you look at it now, and it's essentially a dealer's choice here with the Cardinals having a two-game lead and the easier strength to schedule now up to minus 145 at DraftKings. To me, that number, that's about right, if we're being honest here. Well, I think it's fascinating. The Cardinals are 38-21 and against teams with a losing record and now 22-27 and after beating the Yankees here today against teams 500 or better, whereas the Brewers are 24-22 and against teams 500 or better, 34-27 and against teams with a losing record. So Milwaukee hasn't taken advantage of their lesser matchups, whereas the Cardinals, who are 17 games over 500 in that split, yeah. absolutely have. You know, it's funny. Milwaukee went from third easiest schedule, but when you take out the week they just had, the week against Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, they actually have the 12th toughest schedule remaining. If we're just going by raw uh, raw remaining strength of schedule here and the percentages on those other teams. So talk about a complete failure of a week. Mm-hmm. You lose five of six with two of the worst teams in baseball. And alienate your clubhouse. And, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I would say that's week. not that, that's it. Notice how I didn't make Adam answer the AL Central question. That's a, that's a good friend and a good co-host right there. That's what we're trying to do here. When we return, it is time for Real or Fake here on The Run Line from VSIM, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare you found visa's premier baseball betting show this is the run line Into the seventh inning in Sunday Night Baseball as we welcome you back to the run line. This might be a first. We've never had a, a Sunday Night Baseball ad finish while we're on the air, but we're close here. Tyler Anderson, he's at 81 pitches through six and two-thirds. This guy is unreal. A 2 nothing Dodgers there, top of the seventh. Big old minus 775 money line favorite right now. Now, I believe that uh, that live total is dropped a little bit since we last refreshed, so we'll get an updated uh, number on that momentarily. I'm seeing it down to... Th- Three and a half with a little juice to the over there, uh, depending on the shop you look at. Bet MGM three and a half over minus one twenty five. Dodgers actually minus sixteen hundred now, so they doubled here in the last few minutes. So usually all I do is complain about managers because because of course they make a lot of bad decisions, right? But in this game here, we just saw the Dodgers on the phone to the bullpen, right? Tyler Anderson appears to be coasting, right? He's going to have seven innings in about eighty five or eighty six pitches or so. But you look at the last few balls in play. Josh Bell just hit that ball to the track, 98.9 miles per hour. Manny Machado hit a 98-mile-per-hour ground ball to third. Uh, Jerks and Profar had a 100-mile-per-hour single last inning. So they're starting – they're realizing that there's a lot of hard contact As coming smoke, from Anderson here. It's a smoking line drive goes right to second and, base. And so they're, the being, they're being proactive, right? He's thrown seven shutout innings in 84 pitches. But they're being proactive because they see – that heightened exit velocity on the balls in play. 
not enough teams pay attention to this, right? They're always trying to stretch their starters a little bit further, try to get them another inning, something like that. The Dodgers aren't doing that. Dave Roberts is a hell of a manager, and this is something that really helps this Dodger team. I understand they have a bunch of star power and a bunch of big names and all that, but we'll see if he comes back out for the eighth, but I'm really impressed to see that, that they are very much aware of the situation in this game, of the fact that a rocket single and a two-run homer all of a sudden ties it. I don't think all the other teams out there are going to be that aggressive in terms Mm -hmm. of managing the game. And that's something that you know you can pick up by watching a game. You can see these things kind of playing out here a little bit. You know, I, I always talk all the time about teams like the Cardinals, where they'll use Giovanni Gallegos two innings or Ryan Helsley two mm-hmm. innings. You know, we saw the Mets do it with Edwin Diaz here in this Braves series. They sent him out there for two innings, and he was almost perfect. Managing managerial decisions matter, and a lot of the good teams make a lot of the good decisions. I was waiting for Adam to throw in. Uh... Cardinals throwing Chris Stratton nearly 60 pitches today as the game was just falling falling apart. I don't know if that qualifies, but I get what you're saying. And when you can, when you're in a position two in August where you can get a guy through seven innings in 85 pitches or less, and that has to make you feel so much better just long term, especially for a guy like Anderson, who, as we've talked about, has really not been on many teams with with much postseason success. He's never really had to. He's never been in a position to pitch meaningful late September October innings. So. That's kind of the other hidden part of this, and I, I, totally, I totally agree with you. We can we rip on managers a lot, but certainly appears to be smart thinking there from Dave Roberts and the Dodgers. 2-0 lead there as we have hit stretch time going to the bottom of the seventh. Now, let's talk about real or fake right now because we've got uh, – these are two interesting, very interesting names, one of whom has been like a real, like a real spark this year, at, look, offensively, but also on the defensive side. And for Adley Rutschman, who has been kind of heralded as the next great Buster Posey-type franchise-level catcher there in Baltimore. Uh, and so while he has certainly had a, a fine, fine season, especially defensively, uh, you look at some of the numbers, I mean, it's fine. You know, 256, five homers doesn't really hit much for much power there. Adam does have a 132 WRC plus this season. And so we certainly know that front offices, they value catchers and, and look at them a lot different ways than maybe we just do with the general raw numbers. But having said all that, I know there are some additional things you've looked at with him that you're, you want to dive into here with Adley Rutschman, who, as we talked about with the Orioles, that's, that's going to be, or it really has to be, a cornerstone of that team if they are going to continue the development and continue the path that we certainly all believe they are on long-term, even if they sold off a couple pieces at the deadline this time around. Right, so for Adley Rutschman here, again, using that two-month sample size, kind of an arbitrary starting point, but you know, I figure two months is, is a pretty good cross-section of the season good. here. Yeah. Going into today, he went one for four. Biff. In Major League Baseball, in wins above replacement player, according to the Fangraphs calculation, batting 295, 406 on base, 526 slugging, and he's walked more than he struck out. 15% walk rate against a 14.4% strikeout rate. And it was tough for him early on. You, know, you mentioned those full season numbers where he's around a 255 or so batting average, You know, lower OBP, lower slugging. But this is a kid that he's picking up the game very quickly, And also, he's picking up calling a game very quickly. And the backbone for this Orioles team throughout the course of the season has very clearly been their pitching staff, and they've been really good, and Rutschman's been a big part of that. And again, you know, I understand they gave up Trey Mancini. I get it. But you know what? When you look at a lot of the other guys in this lineup, Rutschman's having a big year. Cedric Mullins had a big year last year. He's not been as good this season, but he's still a very good player and a very good defensive center fielder. You know, Ryan Mountcastle, Big upgrade in his contact quality over the last year and a half. 
Austin Hayes. They're a much better, they're a much better offensive team when he's out there all the time. This is what you have to do as a team trying to build up to something when you're you know you're you're basically a two-story building in a division full of skyscrapers. You know, so this is what they totally have get to it. do. Yeah. They have to build that foundation up from the bottom. And this good of a year from Rutschman, not only at the plate, but behind it as well, huge development for the Orioles going forward. It's very real. He is a superstar in the making. And when, look, when you're a 24-year-old rookie as well, first full season at the major league level, I mean, the like there's one, there's the expectation of the hitting adjustment where it just is going to naturally take some time. And we certainly saw that early where we talk about how, I mean, that hot couple of months here has still only got him to about you know, league average numbers or so. But it's, it's the defensive side that's really, again, we've talked about how it's harder to quantify those things, especially as a game caller, as a catcher. But that, to me, is the more impressive thing. And also, too, like the plate vision where he's, especially these last couple of months, almost as many walks as strikeouts for a big league catcher where a lot of these, a lot of these teams now are just saying, you know, we don't really even care about the offensive catcher. Like, just, just be a brick wall for us behind the plate and throw some guys out, and that's good enough. But you have to give him so much credit for not, like, it would be so easy just to go in that rut and say, all right, like, I know I'm young. Let me just figure out things behind the plate as a defensive guy. But he clearly, as those numbers point out, has bought in on the offensive side of it. And that's kind of where, and we talk so much about the pitching for the Orioles and, and the overall depth that they have come out of that we really didn't anticipate beforehand. It's got to be a big part of, of the resurgence we're seeing out of them. Look, still, I mean, five games over 500 right now. And, I mean, they're not, like, even though you, we talk about all the things they gave up at the deadline, I still don't think they're just going to fall off. I mean, that's still a team I believe will compete for that final wild card spot. Probably not going to get there, but I still give them a better chance than like a Red Sox who are just who completely appear to be broken at the moment. I mean, that's how I see Baltimore, even though like, was it smart that they gave away some pieces? Sure. As you pointed out, but I still see them in the mix here. Well, again, something I think is important. And and if we had Josh Towers on the desk, he can maybe answer this better than we could, but they gave up, as you mentioned, the heart and soul of the team in Trey Mancini and they just went ahead and kept right on winning. Yeah. You know, so this is this is about having better talent because now all of a sudden this team has a lot more talent with a lot more coming as well. You know, specifically on the pitching side with Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall. So the idea that Rutschman is is having this good of a season when they still have pitching talent yet to come that he can kind of even mentor through the rigors of turning a lineup over two and three times at the MLB level. I, I can't say enough about how impressed I am with this Orioles team and, and how all these things are going for this season with Rutschman being one of the guys at the top of the list. So Rutschman, our first real or fake, thinking real. I mean, definitely real yeah. on Adley Rutschman. By the way, Cody Bellinger, solo home run in L.A., so 3 nothing. Second Dodgers homer there. of the day for Kelly. <laughs> Bottom of the seventh. Speaking of guys with uh, multiple home runs, he wrote about <laughs> Mike Yastrzemski is our second guy, and it's like the classic Adam Burke. He writes about a guy. We're going to have him on the show, and then what happens? He does something either amazing or terrible. Mike Yastrzemski, two home runs today for San Francisco, uh, and his numbers have looked really, really bad since June 6th, but there is maybe a silver lining there for Giants fans or or for betters. Yeah, so Yastrzemski, is, as Ben mentioned, a couple homers today, but over the last two months, 169 batting average, that's not nice at all, 251 on base, 306 slugging, 27% strikeout rate, basically, in the bottom 50 in hard hit percentage as well among qualified hitters. Last year, he hit 25 homers in 532 plate appearances. He now has 11 uh, for this season in about 360 plate appearances. So a couple homers today, you know, nice to take advantage of some A's pitching there for him. But 
This is weird because his walk rate is up. His strikeout rate is down. His hard hit percentage is up, but he's not having the results. He's got a 265 batting average on balls in play, only hitting 225 on the whole this season. I think there's still a significant skill set here for Mike Yastrzemski. Just one of those things where this is a down year. When you look at a lot of these Giants hitters, a lot of their guys that play the most have low batting averages on balls in play. So I don't know why. I don't know if teams are just playing really good defense against them while they're playing bad defense for themselves. But weird year for Yastrzemski, weird year for the Giants in general. So as as we're kind of going through the rest of this season, I know we're coming up against the break here, but the market is really tight right now. Day-by-day betting is really hard. I'm already starting to think about next year and kind of the teams I want to play on or play against in the win total market. I'm expecting a Giants bounce back. I think a lot of things are going wrong this year that – don't really appear all that sustainable to me. We talked about it in the past, the whole idea of the cluster luck or mm-hmm. unluck. It, it weirdly appears in a long-scale view. That is, in a, in a sense, happening to the Giants in 2022. I think Who so. would have thought? 107 wins, everything went right last year. Right. Sometimes that's, that's just how baseball goes uh, in a nutshell. Giants appear to be out of the NL wildcard race. We'll give, us, we'll give uh, you our thoughts on the wildcard races when we return. Final half hour coming up next on The Run Line. VEASAN's Premier Baseball Betting Show. This is The Run Line. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer, Made better. 21 and over only terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly as we welcome you back. Half hour to go for us here on the run line. Adam Burke, is, he's already getting ready to, uh, to write the old Monday newsletter where you write every day. Beeson.com. Full breakdowns on the daily card. We It'll be like this Monday card. I'm just looking ahead tomorrow. We only have seven, seven games, games on the card, so finding value might be uh, might be a little tricky. But next segment, don't worry. That's what we're going to do next segment, Adam. We go through. Well, we'll try to anyway. Well, we're going to try to go through all. We'll, we'll try all, to uh, when uh, all seven games. Of the game. Let's see. In the National League, we've got three favorites of a dollar seventy-five or higher. Okay. Uh, Padres are laying a buck sixty-five against the Giants. That's, it's that time of year. Like I'm really happy to have football, and I love doing the run line, and, and I love baseball, mm-hmm. but I'm happy to have football because, man, you're, Dog you're laying a lot of numbers right now in Major League Baseball. And, and the totals are just – totals are kind of a higher variance market at this time of the year because some teams kind of quit, some teams don't. You know, Some starters are getting gassed, others aren't. Uh, it's, a, it's a very tricky time to bet Major League Baseball. And right you now. mentioned earlier the market is really, really tight just – you know, for people listening, watching, what do you mean by that specifically? For people who are looking at the card every single day, and they're obviously, I mean, look, they for whatever reason or another, they want some sort of perceived value. But what do you mean when you say, like, we're at August 7th right now, and the market is as tight as it's been. Realistically, for the you know the casual daily better, what does that actually mean? Well, look, I think first of all, I'm not smart enough to do this, but for the modeling crowd that's out there that has all their spreadsheets, creates their own lines on games, all of that, we're not seeing a whole lot of line movement that looks like it's sort of model-driven right now. We're sort of seeing a lot of the handicap-driven line movement, which is very different. You know, we're talking about people that kind of handicap gray areas as opposed to people that handicap black and white relative to what their projections, what their spreadsheets are spitting out. Because we have over 100 games worth of data on all these teams now. We have 15 to 20 starts for most of these guys. 
The ones that we don't tend to be minor league arms or some or guys that were hurt, something like that. So there just doesn't really feel to be a whole lot of line equity in a lot of these games, you know, especially because now we know who's good and who's bad and who will continue to be good and who will continue to be bad. I mean, look, we're talking about a scenario where the Cubs are last place team in the Central and they're laying as high as a dollar ninety against the Nationals tomorrow. Man. You know, so it's just it's one of those things where you kind of almost feel like you're forced into taking unpalatable underdogs just because there are some favorites out there that just have enormous lines. So it's very tricky at this time of the year with baseball just because, you know, the markets are just they're tight, but also you have a lot of these big favorite roles. And that's at least for me, I've looked so much at either either strikeout props. If you're looking at specific pitchers, team totals, first fives, of course, get burned today. No, thanks to uh, Spencer Strider, but like I found myself really looking at alternate ways to to bet these kind of things, and it has been. I mean, there's only been a couple of of actually a full game pregame sides or totals that I've bet in in quite a while, and I think that just kind of speaks to it naturally is a better when you're looking at this every day. You look at the card, it's like well nothing really jumps out, so you don't want to force something, and that's where you start looking. I, my at least in my mind, I immediately start looking at all right. Well, what are the alternatives that are mm-hmm. more uh, that are more palatable? And if I if there's a reason why I was gravitating to this game in the first place. It means there's got to be something either I want to play on or fade against. So that's my strategy. It's just been looking for maybe deeper angles on the card. Not, not, not just to say, like, well, I just bet first five because I like the pitcher. It's, it's not as simple as that. It's more, okay, what is, like, you know, what, is, what is the lineup construction looking like to a degree where I can maybe play a team total? Or what is a, what is a contact rate looking like for a pitcher where I can look at a strikeout prop? It's, it's more of those nuances. And it's amazing. When I look at my personal betting log in baseball, last you know really the whole the whole season where I'm pretty selective to begin with it's you know maybe like two or three full pregame sides not mm-hmm. many totals it's, there's some in-game stuff a lot of a lot of team totals a lot of strikeout props it's just funny how mentally I've tried to get around this whole notion that the market is really really tight by just finding different ways to bet this stuff yeah absolutely and uh by the way Tyler Anderson taken out of this game after seven innings, even though the Dodgers scored two insurance they did add runs another for him, insurance run yes. they, they did Turner wind up scores. taking him out of the game there so um, I guess I'll pat myself on the back for an astute observation there. There you go, Adam. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, you know, about daily betting, um, I, I will say, and, and this is something that's very challenging when you are a content creator in this space, is there are days where it's hard to find something to like. But writing a giant manifesto, as I do every day over at vcin.com, I feel like at the end I have to give out a play. I have to give out something. And... You know, that's tough because then you end up forcing yourself into something that maybe you don't like as much as you like other plays. Or, you know, in my case, it's sometimes things are just weird. You know, like like yesterday I, I had the Astros Guardians over and I got Cleveland with four runs by the bottom of the second inning. And all of a sudden Cal Quantrill like throws this awesome game against the Astros. And, and you're just like, <laughs> go what figure. Are, what, right? is, what is happening here? Yeah. You know, like the Astros the last two days did absolutely nothing on offense against Cal Quantrill and Tristan McKenzie. And I don't know, different pitching matchups, different environments, but I don't know how many times I've had a game where I I took a side and then they won like 12-3 the next day. You know, so it's just some teams, especially if you're you're not betting on the teams that are winning regularly, you know, because those are the ones that you're laying big numbers on. You know, a a team like the White Sox, right? You know, like one day they look great, the next day they look awful. The Rangers, one day they look pretty competent, the next day they Mm -hmm. look awful. You know, so that's, I kind of been getting caught up in that a lot here lately. And there's not necessarily an explanation for it. 
You know, you, you, you write up the handicap, you justify all the angles that you think make sense, and you hope that when you hit submit that that bet plays out the way it's, it's supposed just to. the natural but, uh, ebb and flow, right? Yeah, sixty-two a, games. a lot of it. And, and again, with the teams that have value at this time of the year, they're inherently inconsistent. Mm-hmm. So it makes it tough. does make it tough. Well, it's funny because we you juxtapose that with the current wild card races. We've I, given, I given basically a, talked about the AL Central. We've given all, well, <laughs> that too. We've given our thoughts on the three division races, still quote-unquote up for grabs, even though you could probably make the case, I know you did, that the NL East, pretty much the Mets division after winning 4-5 this weekend from Atlanta. But as far as the wild cards, and that's what makes these handicaps really interesting because you've got the yes-no playoff odds still up basically every day on all these teams. These are sort of your crown jewels, right, of teams who are maddeningly inconsistent but are still good enough to be in positions to make the postseason. So you look at the AL right now where it's Jays, the two-game lead above. Well, Tampa and Seattle, those would be teams one, two, and three right now. Guardians, Orioles, two back, then the White Sox, three back. And so, look, this Mariners team who I was really high on heading into the trade deadline, really especially after the Luis Castillo deal, you, though, you mentioned the the lack of – complete trust in the rest of their starting rotation here outside of now what you get in the in the Ray and Castillo duo and depending on the matchup you could maybe throw a Logan Gilbert into that we'll talk about him next segment because he faces the Yankees tomorrow so the Mariners are a team where I still feel like they have as much upside of any of these on the list here in the AL but a weekend like this doesn't you know do a whole lot to assuage any concerns about their inconsistency when uh, they they looked pretty flat two of those four games against the Angels and uh, you think about the remaining schedule here for Seattle, it's the easiest in all of baseball. Nine games still to go against the A's, seven games against the Tigers, seven games against the Angels, six against the Rangers. They have a series as well against the Royals and Nationals. So naturally, we and we've seen the yes price here go way, way up now on Seattle. I still want to say, look, this is a team I believe in, but that's an interesting, interesting candidate right there where they've rewarded better so well this past month. But is there kind of a a come-down point for Seattle where things maybe don't go as smoothly as we've seen here over the final month and a half, essentially? I think so, especially with the concerns I have about Gilbert and the concerns I have about Flexen and Gonzalez. But also, they just got Ty France back again. He's been kind of in and out of the lineup mm-hmm. battling different things. Julio Rodriguez is supposed to come back later this week. So the offense will be back kind of in shape. They just got Mitch Hanniger back as well, who's missed all of the season so far. You, just, you consider so, that basically a pseudo-trade deadline yeah, acquisition. A- absolutely. Basically. So, I mean, I think the Seattle team is, is still in pretty good shape, despite the concerns that I have. Um, I would worry about them quite a bit in, in a best-of-three wildcard round, depending on Castillo would pitch game one, maybe Gilbert in game – well, I guess Robbie Ray would pitch probably yeah. game two, uh, and then maybe Gilbert in game three, kind of you know all-hands-on-deck type thing. They could get through a wild card round. Don't get me wrong, but I would worry about them, you know, kind of moving on. I know some people think that they'll be, you know, potentially a thorn in the side of the Yankees because of their offense. I don't know if that'll be the case. The Guardians, so eight of their next 11 games are against the Tigers, and they've dominated the Tigers over the last several seasons, but they have not played well against Detroit so far this year. So this is kind of a make or break period, I think, for them, where their other three games are against Toronto. They're on the road. We'll see who's unvaccinated on this team. We'll we don't find know out yet, quickly. Yeah. but we'll find out pretty soon here. You know, if they wind up being a little bit short going up to Toronto for that three-game series, but again, eight with eight of the next eleven against Toronto, this is where they have to make a move. I love Baltimore, but I don't think they're better than the three teams that are in that seat. The White Sox, I'm I've given up on them. Uh, the Rays will get some players back as well. You know, here soon, some guys from the lineup, some pitchers. 
I think the three that are in the driver's seat right now, the Blue Jays, Rays, and Mariners, are the three that make it. Those are your three teams. Hey, man, J.P. Fireisen, when he's back, oh, the Rays are going to be so good. Former Indian and Brewer. And Brewer. So in, in a statement you thought would never be uttered, man, when that team gets J.P. Fireisen, watch out. But, that's I mean, look, man, Fairbanks, get him healthy. You know, yeah. Who knows? AL wild card race. Uh, yeah, very, very uh, fascinating to look at that up close right now. We'll wrap up the show next, break down the Monday MLB card when we return on the run line. Found Visa's Premier Baseball Betting Show. This is the run line. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare the vsin college football guide is out now start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of every team including trends power ratings and over-under recommendations, plus our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VSIN All Access subscriber. Sign up early, and for a discount $175, you'll receive the college and pro football betting guides along with full VSIN access all the way through the Super Bowl. Or join us for $40 a month and see everything VSIN has to up your betting game. Go to vsin.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Back for the final time on the run line Sunday night from downtown Las Vegas, Circus Sportsbook Studio. Dodgers all over the Padres. Once again, Adam, 4-0, bottom of the eighth. Uh, so it looks like it will be a four-game sweep of the Dodgers, which, which leads us right in to tomorrow's Monday card. Only seven games here on the slate. Dodgers will be off, but Padres are in action. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but Blake Snell against Alex Wood. Padres hosting the Giants, and I'm seeing just on these overnight lines, $1.65. Pretty much everywhere in the market, including DraftKings, if you look at the East Coast shops, as high as 175 there on San Diego. I guess the benefit is they'll probably be home in their beds by about 9 o'clock tonight. So like I said earlier, I don't, I don't put much stock into maybe a hangover from the Sunday Night Baseball and from the series in general. But if anything, maybe, maybe look, uh, you can find some eights here, minus 105 to the over there. That might be the way to look, given the struggles of Blake Snell to go deep in games and how Alex Wood has just been done in by his defense just about every start he's been out there this year. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about the under a little bit. Blake Snell's given up nine runs in his last six starts over 31 and two-thirds, 49 strikeouts, but 15 walks. And the Giants do walk quite a bit. And also the problem for the Giants is that defensively, they are abhorrent. They are terrible. So As has been been pointed out. As has been pointed out a little bit on this show. So the concern for me would be a lot of base runners from Snell via the walk. And then the Giants not converting batted balls into outs. So this is probably a game that I completely end up staying away from. 
Uh, you know, look, there, there's obviously some question about how the Padres bounce back off of what appears to be a four game sweep coming here is the Giants looking or the Dodgers, excuse me, looking mm-hmm. for another insurance run, but tough game, tough handicap. And if, if I'm the Giants, I, I sort of feel like this is kind of a last stand type of week with the way that they're definitely falling mm-hmm. behind here. I tend to agree with you on that. If, if they aren't already out of the mix at this point, this is I mean, I think, series. I think they are. I don't know if they do, think they I are. But, but this is definitely yeah. it's a series you got to have, to say the least, there right. in San Diego. Two series in the AL that start tomorrow that will go a long way towards, A, the look, for the Yankees' purposes, just trying to get themselves back on track as they fight for the top seed in the AL. And then the other three teams, they're all in the mix for the wild card right now in Toronto, Baltimore, and Seattle. We'll start with the nightcap tomorrow where you have two 10-game winners, Jamison Tyone and Logan Gilbert, each lit up the last time they squared off, and that was in New York when the, when the Yankees and Mariners squared off last week. Tyone was bad, gave up six runs. Gilbert was bad, gave up six runs on three long balls in that outing. Seeing the Yankees here, it's pretty much a pick maybe slightly uh, to the Yankee side, minus a buck fifteen to $1.20 in the market there, Adam. Either seven and a half's juiced over or some eights juiced to the under in this one. And I'll be really curious to see how these two pitchers specifically are able to bounce back given the big, big issues they had, albeit in the hitter-friendly Yankee Stadium last time out. Right, and that's a really important point. I think a lot of people are going to look at this game and, and look at the last outing for these two guys and say, well, why would this go any differently? Why is this a total of seven and a half? T-Mobile Park is a much different animal than Yankee Stadium. With that being said, T-Mobile Park is not completely enclosed, and it's been in the 90s up in Seattle, so that may add a little bit of juice to the baseball here in this one. I'm really upset at myself for not being on that over in that last meeting between these two because Gilbert's a guy I've talked about as a regression candidate, and Jamison Tyone is a guy that, when I kind of look under the hood at some things, I, I don't really like where he's at right now, and he is a guy that's missed ample time. I mean, he, he had uh, cancer treatment. He's had Tommy John twice in his career. He's a guy that really hasn't had too many seasons with a full workload, so I do get kind of concerned about him as we go forward here. I mean, look, I, I, I think looking at the Mariners at, at a plus-money price at home here where their bullpen's been really, really strong their offense is kind of getting all of its pieces and parts back together. I don't think that's a terrible idea, but I don't know if there's a whole lot of – we talk about line value and about mm-hmm. how tight the market is right now. I don't think there's a whole lot of value really in, in betting either side here in this game. It would almost just be taking Seattle because they're a dog and, and because you know I don't love where Tyone's at, and I really don't love where the Yankees are at right now where they've actually lost 16 of 25. They've, I mean, they've not been a team that has looked sharp whatsoever. Right. I mean, you could kind of tell it, not to say it was a de- desperation type team today, but they bring in Lou Trevino in the fifth inning today, where the, yeah, the, the pitching went south very, very quickly from their newly acquired starter, Frankie Montas, gives up the six earned in, in the first three innings. It just kind of has that feel where you, we've talked so often about how this can't be really quantified in the numbers, but. You know, you you play in the toughest media market in, in the world. If you're the Yankees, you have the most scrutiny. You were on a 70% uh, winning percentage pace for the first several months of the year. Naturally, when the gr- regression comes, you figure it will going to, but it's a matter of how do you respond to that. And going up now against Gilbert, who, yeah, has certainly been much better at home. And still, it's funny, we, we talk about all those numbers regressing on Gilbert. Well, he's pretty much now basically back to even. I mean, 309 on the ERA. Sir, yeah, FIP and XFIP each around 375 to 380. So maybe a little more regression still to come for him. But a guy who does not walk many many batters, and we've seen, especially in that St. Louis series, it's not like the Yankee hitters were, were facing juggernaut pitchers out there, and they really struggled. I mean, outside of today, where they put up nine runs, 
struggled to put up, put together consistent at bats and you, you get into these stretches with them where it's all it almost becomes like well let's just wait till we get judge up and you know, as we talk about like with Shohei Otani and trying to win a game all by yourself you can't put that on judge or Rizzo or just just the two of them I mean it's it's totally unrealistic and that that to me when I watch them is sort of the rut they're in right now where I mean heck I, watching watching them at times like Matt Carpenter you could argue has been their third best hitter for the last like month or so and so that to me has been the issue where you really only have three reliable hitters right now and it seems like these teams get through that first four in the order and they just take a big old massive massive gasp and and deep breath and are able to really calm themselves down that that to me has been the big issue here the last month yeah absolutely and, and look it's kind of always been said if you want to have a bad team have a bad bullpen and, and right now the Yankees bullpen has not been very good Clay Holmes looks very human I mean his ERA has yeah. jumped about two runs over the last month or so um you, know, you mentioned Marinaccio getting sent down they don't really know where to use Aroldis Chapman right now I don't know if they've really worked Jonathan Loisaga back in to a high enough degree I know that they you know, made some moves. You mentioned the Trevino pickup that they had. F. Ross has been pitching in high leverage for them. But this bullpen's just kind of in a bit of a state of flux, and, and that's something that's a little bit worrisome there. I do want to go to this other game featuring ALEs. Blue Jays, Orioles, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to bet this game, but Jordan Lyles, very significant home road splits. So far this season, and we, you know, we know about the fence getting moved back in left field at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. It's become a pitcher's park for this season. Not a great thing for a Toronto lineup that is littered with right-handed batters. Jordan Lyles, fifty-three and two-thirds at home this season, two sixty-eight ERA, is giving up one home run on the road in seventy-one innings, five seventy ERA, is giving up fifteen home runs. So his slugging percentage is about one hundred and seventy points higher against on the road than it is at home. Weighted on base average, 67 points better at home. And he's a pretty significant home dog here to Yusei Kikuchi. Now, <laughs> Kikuchi's pitched better since he came yeah, off the injured list. Bit. He's been quite competent, honestly. But this Blue Jays team, very hit or miss. They struggle to hit with men in scoring position. It's been their problem all year long. This bullpen is still not really stabilized, whereas Baltimore is one of the best bullpens in baseball. Plus 130, plus 135. You can find plus 135 behind us. A lot of plus 125s out there in, in the legal U.S. market. The Orioles may be worth a play here in this game. I, I just, th this line, I understand that Jordan Lyles is somebody that the market is quite skeptical of, but he's been extremely good at home. He's been much better against righties and lefties. Lefties have hit 11 of the 16 homers that he's given up. Um, I just, I, I, I kind of look at him and, and think that maybe, you know, the, the Orioles are, are worth a look here in this one. It's funny. I was thinking along those same lines just because, and I get what you say about Kikuchi. And, you know, if you look through the, the game log here, two earned in four innings against the Rays, one earned in five against Detroit. Those are his two starts since coming off the IL. I'm still not sold on, no. on Kikuchi whatsoever. And it's still a guy who, if you look at the, in the overall season numbers here, like 486 on the ERA, 577 on the expected ton ERA. A lot of hard contact. Over five walks per nine. The hard contact numbers, 48%, which is, it's just, it's almost comical. Right. And as much as, you know, you don't want to look at past results necessarily to kind of, you know, influence your handicap on a day to day basis. But we know how much the Orioles have just been an absolute machine at home and as home dogs. And as I said earlier, just because they give up Mancini and Lopez, I don't think they're just going to be a team that becomes uncompetitive against these other teams in, in the AL. I should also note with this, first of 15 games between these two teams down the final 55. How does that work? 
That's uh, some quality, quality scheduling there. A couple of real quick points because we're coming up against the end of the show. Chris Bassett and the Mets laying almost $3 against the Reds coming off that huge Brave series. Oh, it's not bad. I don't know if I could take Cincinnati, but it's interesting. Also, Zach Gallen goes to the Diamondbacks. They're laying like 240 or 250 against the Pirates. Hard to justify Arizona being that big of a favorite against awesome. anybody. More write-ups. You'll see all the write-ups and all the games tomorrow from my. Uh... At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.